0: Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message, recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're moving on to the next subject in Jonah, and the topic today is repentance. And um, yeah, you know, that is a huge one that not often spoken about maybe in church. And I think it does need to be spoken about. And there's a huge, huge need to be before God, acknowledging who we are, that we are before him. Actually, we are not small and humble and I'm nothing, but we are only what we are because of what God is in us and through us. So let's just read, um, on the next slide, there's the verses that we're going to read today from Jonah chapter 2, verses um, 2 to 8. I'll just go through these. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots in the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life from the pit." When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. So we know about Jonah. He'd been thrown overboard because the crew of the ship, he'd said to the crew of the ship after the massive, massive storm, that um, I think you should throw me overboard Jonah was on his way to Nineveh, if you remember, the city which was full of wickedness. And he was on his way to um, because God had told him to go there, but he had decided to go the other way. And, you know, when we decide to go the other way to what God is wanting for our lives, there is a consequence. And it can be tough. It can be tough. The tough stuff is where we really meet God. The tough times are where sometimes it really happens. I know in my life, the tough times have been the times where I've really drilled down, drilled down into God, spent time, and he's come up for me. He's been there. I mean, this is a really dramatic story. Sometimes God catches our attention in big ways. And in Jonah's case, um, he'd been thrown into the storm. I mean, it was, I find swimming in the sea very difficult, even when it's calm sea. I don't like it at all. Uh, I don't know if anyone else does. But he was in a very, very rough sea. And very likely would have died in normal circumstances it's very very unlikely that anything other than that would have happened and here we are God caught his attention and saw, sent a big fish last week spoke about last week Alex spoke about God who pursues us God certainly pursued him he sent this big fish I mean I've never heard such a dramatic repentance story in all of history have you? It's pretty dramatic. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes dramatic repentance stories are the precursor to a dramatic thing that's happening. I have no doubt that Marbley had a dramatic encounter with God before coming from Nicaragua to the UK to Brighton to a, tra- a town or city which... Um, it's not easy to work in and share the gospel. I have no doubt that the precursor to her coming was a dramatic encounter with God. And the same with Jonah. A dramatic encounter was happening before his call. And well, after his call, on the way to his fulfilling the call, his his call was being fulfilled by this dramatic encounter. And you know, just to think about that for a moment. It says in Matthew, um, I think it's chapter 16, about, it really struck me uh, how it talks about Jonah. Alex mentioned it last week, this passage, that it says about the very wicked people of Nineveh. And it just struck me how God called him to big wickedness, to minister to people in a city of big wickedness. But the precursor to that was a very dramatic, big repentance thing. And and yeah, that's important for us to think about. So the next slide um, is, I've got a title here, God's Reverence, because... You know, repentance begins with a reverence for God. And we forget this this word reverence. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment called The Awe of God. And I recommend it. It's a study kind of day-to-day reading thing by John Bevere. And it's really struck me a time and again the reverence that we need to have for God. I think sometimes history swings from being very, very personal and friendly, oh God's my buddy. And yes, he's your buddy, and he's there on a day-to-day basis to chat to, and just chat to him, do it, do it, I do that. But there's a reverence about God that we need to hold in mind all the time as well. He is a holy God, and he cannot tolerate sin. Sinful behavior is not what God wants from us. He created us to live a holy life in communion with him. Sin breaks that communion sin breaks that communication with god where we can talk to him as our buddy and the doctrine of repentance might not be popular Um, the bible talks about the narrow way in matthew 7 the narrow way that leads to eternal life and i do wonder sometimes if we've lost that narrow way because it isn't easy to follow God sometimes. And that narrow way is the way we need to go, particularly if we want God to really use us. And the the bigger the call, sometimes the greater the test before it. Jonah had a massive one here. Um, Reading in this book by John Bevere, he he went on a traveling trip to Brazil, And in that time, he got to these big meetings that he was invited to speak about, and all the people were being really flippant during the worship. I'm sure Tom wouldn't like this, and God certainly wouldn't like this, if during the worship, people were chattering to each other all the time. And that's what happened in this meeting. People were chattering to each other all the time. And he walked in, and he just felt a real sense that God wants to call these people to acknowledge the awesomeness of God I heard the Holy Spirit of God whisper to my heart, I want you to directly confront this. And so he did. And fast forward, when the call was given to repent, 75% of people stood to their feet. 75%. I bowed my head and prayed aloud, Lord God, confirm your word proclaimed tonight. Within minutes, I heard sobbing among the people For the next few minutes, a wave of God's presence filled the atmosphere, refreshing and cleansing the hearts of those in attendance. Even after it was subsided, a wonderful peace lingered. Such a dramatic repentance happened because people encountered that reverence and awe of God. But then the next slide talks about, I've got the title, God's kindness. So, in repentance, we also have the kindness of God. Jonah, he had encountered the reverence of God, the awe of God, that this almighty God was serious. This almighty God was serious about the business Jonah was called to do. And yet the kindness of God sent the fish. The big fish was sent. There's a great verse, uh, Romans 2, four. I think it's on the next, yeah. Do you have no regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience? This is from the message. In withholding his wrath, you see, actually, it sounds awful to think about the wrath of God, but because God is a holy God, he cannot tolerate sin. And we'll come on to sin in a minute. But um, are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Seek his purpose for your life. You know, his kindness is always, always, always waiting for us. No matter how far from God you might have got. And I always think about the topic of shame. There's a lot of people riddled with shame. Shame. And if you're that person today, because you've maybe got something in your past that's hiding behind the corner that you've covered up, or maybe you haven't covered it up that much, but it's there, it's holding you back. God is saying, my kindness is greater, my grace is sufficient for that. You know, we're all guilty because we've all done something that separates us from God. And guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Get the difference there. God does not want us to be living in shame. He doesn't mind a little bit of guilt, a little bit of prodding, just like John Bevere did in that meeting in Brazil. He came and did a bit of prodding and and confronted the issue. Confrontation is good, as Jonah experienced too. But let's always remember that kindness. That kindness of God does not want us to live in shame. There is an antidote for sin There is an antidote for guilt. God comes to forgive us because we sang about the cross earlier. Because of the work of the cross, we have forgiveness. So what's our response? That's the next point on the slides. Our response, what does repentance mean In the church, in this church, we believe in baptism by full immersion, and it's a biblical concept. And in the passage in Matthew 3, Jesus said, I baptize you with water for repentance. And baptism is a really amazing symbol. I love baptism services because we're celebrating the fact that we can repent, that Jesus did a work on the cross by his blood, that cleansed us from our sin, but we do need to repent. And this is where the antidote to guilt comes in. Some people perceive God as heavy and spoiling our fun, but actually we do need to stop and get a grasp of what sin is. Basically, sin is anything, anything that doesn't come from faith. That's a verse in Romans four twenty, Romans 14, 21 says, Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. God does not grade sin. He doesn't say that's a bigger sin, that's a worse sin. However, I just want to say that And acknowledge that there are some sins that are far more damaging to other people, abusive things that people do. And then that falls in the category of breaking the law. And these things need dealing with. And I will say this, that, you know, if things like that have happened to you or you've been involved in things like that, they, they have consequences and they need to be dealt with. I'm not taking things lightly when I say that all sin in God's eyes is just sin Um, because there are sins that have greater consequences. And and I think Jonah realized that too. He realized that his sin of rebelling against God was robbing a whole people group. Eventually, we'll hear in next week and the week after, the next few weeks, we'll be hearing just the consequences that could have been if he had not been in the belly of that fish and repented of his sin. So what does repentance look like? Um, next slide has the verse 1 John 1 8 and 9 I love this passage if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so we cannot claim to be without sin not one of us Um, I think I'm speaking to those who already know that but it's a tough one isn't it it is a tough one when your friend says to you I've lived a good life I've always done my best which many of us do But you know, not one of us can claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves if we do. If we confess our sins, though, we know he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Not might, he will. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And this is what we need to do. There's three points I've got on the next slide, which says, number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge that we have sinned. And as that verse said that we just read, if we claim to be without sin, we are deceiving ourselves and we're making God out to be a liar. So that's the number one point, just saying I acknowledge, yes, I have done wrong. And maybe you've got specific things that God is pointing the finger at you about. Um, Not with a big stick, not with a, you know, angry face. God's face is loving towards you. He wants us to acknowledge what we did. And that it's not God's best for me. What you did, what I did, is not God's best for me. Acknowledge the awe and holiness of God. This is a big point in our dealing with repentance. As we repent, acknowledging what we've done and who he is, the awesomeness of our big God. If you're not operating in any way through the eyes of faith, like that verse says in Matthew Romans 14, anything you're doing that is not coming from faith is apparently sin. And so actually, how many minutes of every day do we need to reflect? Not in a terrible, woe is me kind of way. How many times do we need to come before God and say, God, I acknowledge, yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this without you. It just doesn't work. We deceive ourselves if we think we can. We can be free once we've named it. So the next point, I'm skipping a little bit, is confess. Confess. It says in that verse, if we confess, he will forgive. And next week, the talk is about forgiveness. So I won't carry on too much about that. But that I will forgive needs to stick in our heads this morning as we leave because he will forgive and then thirdly, um, commit, commit. Oh, ask his forgiveness. Confess, ask his forgiveness. Lord, specifically, perhaps even naming something that you know that has separated you from God. Name it. To name it is to move on. I believe that you've heard that phrase, a problem shared is a problem halved. Many people have said that. And, and the same with God. Just name it before Him, God. I know I've done this. I know I've this has happened. I've separated myself from you, Lord. I accept your forgiveness, and then fourthly, commit. Commit what to change? That's what we need to commit to. And and you know what? The good thing is, it's not like cognitive behavioral therapy or anything else. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. But um, you know, it's it's that we've got a loving, amazing God who sends us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to make that commitment into a reality. That commitment doesn't have to just be, I won't do that again, I won't do that again, like a New Year's resolution. Our commitment is backed up by the Holy Spirit. That comes and gives us the strength to carry on away, turning away from that sin, whatever that sin might be. And just like Jonah, Jonah in the belly of the fish, he was given that opportunity. He made a commitment yes, God, I'll still go to Nineveh. I will go. I will. I'm sure he was frightened of that. That's a massive call. And, and then God turned the fish. To the direction of Nineveh, and we'll hear later that the fish spat him out in the place he needed to be, just like the Holy Spirit honors our commitment and enhances our commitment, and gives us the power and the strength to be who we're meant to be. What's interesting too, as I draw to a close, let's just think about this. It was interesting that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. What does that remind you of? Three days and three nights, Jesus was in the tomb after he'd been crucified and took upon himself all the sin of our making, all the separation that we had. He experienced it for three days and three nights. Jesus didn't need to repent, by the way, make that very clear. But in that three days and three nights, something transformed, something shifted which meant that the three days and three nights that Jonah was in the belly of the fish were transformative for him. It mirrored Jesus' experience. The Christian life is one of surrender. Our own surrender can bring great victories, and in our victories, other people will be changed too which is exactly what happened in Jonah's case. Many, many people received a victory. Think of your own victory over sin as opening the doorway. It's opening the doorway. It's closing the doorway to Satan and all his actions. Sometimes we can open doorways in our lives to Satan and his clutch over us by giving in to sins time and time again, by continually doing things our own way it's as simple as that it's just doing things our way and that's what we need to do we need to come to God and we need to allow him to convict us of sin on the next slide we've got a little quote from John Bevere who says do not be afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal any unforgiveness or bitterness the longer you hide it the stronger it will become. Like I say, we're giving the devil a foothold, and the Bible tells us not to do that, not to give the devil a foothold. The harder it will, your heart will grow. Stay tenderhearted. Stay tenderhearted. I'm going to finish now, and um, we're just going to end with one little verse, which I'd like you to think about as we finish. It says in Psalm 139, verse 23, And this is a prayer you can pray each day. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God. Just allow his spotlight. You could even picture a light being shone in your heart, a flashlight. See if there'd be any anxious thoughts. Because actually anxiety is something that is sometimes crippling many people. And God doesn't want us to have that. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I dare you to pray that prayer this morning. See if there's any way in me because the antidote is, remember, as we admit it, as we confess it, as we ask for forgiveness, and and then as we commit to God to allow his Holy Spirit to transform us, he will. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at at infocenterchurch.uk or check out our website at www.centerchurch.uk.